Tribe, welcome back to another episode, Change of Shift Podcast. So let's talk about ABGs. Uh, did you hear that collective sigh from the tribe, from everyone that's listening? ABGs is like just just that needle, just the it's like sting in the eye. It's just that thing that gets under every nurse's skin. It incites just a level of panic and stress, brings back horrible nightmares, memories of the past that just don't feel good. ABGs are just that nemesis that everybody who doesn't use them on the regular just hates. ABGs, arterial blood gases. We're going to break this down one disorder at a time. Today we're going to talk about respiratory acidosis. There's four main disorders, and then we can talk about like the splits and the, the combos and whether or not you're compensated and uncompensated, but we're not going to go down that path because it's a rabbit hole. We're going to take it one simple and straightforward disorder at a time. Today we're talking about respiratory acidosis. Straight up, simple definition of respiratory acidosis in the context of ABG values, is a pH level of less than 7.35 and a PCO2 level of greater than 45. And if you know anything about ABGs, the normal pH level for, you know, the average human being, the average bear, is 7.35 to 7.45. And the normal PCO2 level is 35 to 45. Something to keep in mind. Those last two numbers of the pH correlate to the numbers of the PCO2. I don't know if anyone ever noticed that. 7.35 is the same as the low normal of PCO2 of 35. 7.35, 35, 7.45, and 45. Easy to remember, quick memory tool. Once again, for those of us who... Don't use ABGs on the regular. That's a quick memory trick for you. So I'm all about the why. I want to know why something is happening. And then I want to know more. So when I teach ABGs, when I have students on the floors and we're treating patients, whether it's an NP student or a nursing student, or even doesn't have to be a student, just could be someone who's working on the job, who isn't familiar, who is new to ABGs, We have a conversation about the why. So you must, you have to understand the what, or you have to memorize the what. Less than 7.35, PCO2 is greater than 7.45. Now, if you want to go ahead and memorize the gosh darn son of a cracker, good grief if you want to, ugh. If you want to memorize the arrows, the up arrow, down arrow, if that's going to help you to start memorizing the lab values, then I'm all for it. But just don't it. Ugh, ugh, if you haven't noticed, I'm not a big fan of the arrows. I want you to memorize them for the whys, the whats, the hows. I don't want to. I don't want you memorizing arrows and triangle methods. I understand it's a memory tool. I understand that you have to take an exam. I get that. But I want you to memorize and understand and 
get, get familiar with the concept of why it's happening. So why is respiratory acidosis, why is the PCO2 level up? What's happening? What does your patient look like? Take a second and think about it. If you have any experience with respiratory acidosis, you have a general idea of what these patients should will look like. When someone has an elevated CO2, they have, they're retaining carbon dioxide, what do they look like? Do they look normal? Do they look like they're hanging out? No, let's just, let's just say that their ABG should be the normal so that we can push aside the chronic respiratory diagnoses. People who have chronic respiratory problems, their ABGs are completely different than the average bear. I don't know why I have Yogi Bear on my mind today. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, that hurts. Google Yogi Bear. So the average bear should have a PCO2 of less than 45, between 35 and 45. And their PCO2 is, let's just go with 70. What are they going to look like? Are they going to be chatting, walkie-talkie, hanging out with you, talking about the news, talking about the president, talking about the latest social media trend? They're going to be talking about your favorite online nurse. Hint, hint, that would be me. At least I hope so. No, they will not look like that. When someone retains PCO2, CO2, PCO2, you know what I mean. When someone retains CO2, carbon dioxide is toxic to the brain. Too much carbon dioxide makes people sleepy. It either makes them sleepy or it makes them goofy, or usually both. You usually have one, then the other. It always ends up being both. CO2 level will make you tired, will make you somnolent. When you retain CO2, you are not very awake. So your patient who has respiratory acidosis or impending respiratory acidosis is going to be on the sleepy side. They're going to be difficult to wake up. Heck, if the PCO2 is high enough, they're going to be flat out comatose. They're not going to be arousable in any way. In fact, it's a respiratory emergency and you need to do something about it. But if you know or you have a suspicion that somebody's CO2 level is off, first thing to look at is their alertness, their awakeness. What's their neuro exam? How are, how are they functioning? How are they... Can they hold a conversation with you? Flat out. Check. Next. What, are their bre- what does their breathing look like? So someone who is oh so sleepy, are they going to be breathing fast? Are they going to be breathing slow? Are they going to be breathing normal? They are not going to be breathing fast. If someone is holding on to CO2, it means they're retaining CO2, which means they're not exhaling as much. Or as often. So they're sleepy. So their respiration rate is lower. So it's on the low end. So once again, we're talking about averages. If someone is supposed to breathe between 12 and 20 breaths a minute, they're going to be on the lower side. They might even breathe in in the single digits. Might want to check, make sure they're breathing at all. Because yes, that happens. 
People just go apneic and don't breathe. Bad things happen. Then they end up on one of my ventilators and in my ICU. So, your patient who has an elevated CO2 level is not only going to be unarousable, sleepy, somnolent, but their respiration rate is going to be in the toilet. Ergo, that's why their CO2 level is up. It's kind of a domino effect. One can lead to the other. So their CO2 level can be slightly elevated, which is going to depress their mental status, which is going to depress their respiratory drive, and then it's a cyclical self-feeding event. The, the less that they breathe, the higher the CO2. The higher the CO2, the less they breathe. The less they breathe, the higher the CO2. As you can see, if this is gone untreated, this gets really bad. So, if you're interested in trying to remember, does the CO2 go up or down in respiratory acidosis, picture what the patient would look like. What do they look like? So when you have, you have that next exam or someone asks you, are they in respiratory acidosis? Or you look at your patient, you look at the ABG, and you see at the ABG the pH is too low and the CO2 is too high. You can think to yourself, okay, CO2 is too high, therefore they're holding on to CO2. It's inside their body, inside their chest cavity, as I bound on my chest while I'm doing this. Yes, if I had a video, you'd see me doing this. Their CO2 is, is, is hanging inside of their chest cavity, inside of their lungs. Chest cavity, Jesus. Hiding inside, ha- hanging on inside of their lungs. Therefore, their CO2 level's high. Therefore, respiratory acidosis. Or you can look at it as numbers. The number's elevated. So if the number's elevated, that means the patient's CO2 level is high. How can a patient's CO2 level be high? They're hanging on to it. High means hanging on to it, therefore it's elevated, therefore CO2 is elevated, acidosis, pH level is lower. The last thing you want to think about is that CO2 and hydrogen love to hang out together. Going to get a little technical here. Chemistry, 101. Wherever CO2 goes, hydrogen goes. And if you have too much hydrogen, you have a lower pH. It's inverse relationship. I know. Good grief, Sean. Confuse us even more. But this is how I remember things. I don't memorize arrows. I think I might have started by memorizing arrows, but eventually I wanted to know the science. I wanted to know the why. And I think we're all smart enough to be able to retain. (laughs) Get it? Retain. Retain this level of knowledge. I tell all of my bedside nurses, CO2 loves to hang out with hydrogen. So if you have too much CO2, too much hydrogen, too much hydrogen is the same as hydrochloric acid. Oh, hydrochloric acid. Ding, ding. Because hydrochloric acid releases H, releases hydrogen, increases hydrogen. Therefore, you're acidotic. Elevated PCO2, increased hydrogen, the release of hydrogen, too much hydrogen, lower pH, lower pH, acidosis. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Respiratory acidosis. What does your patient look like? They're sleepy. They're acidotic. Bingo. Check. Move on.
I'd love to hear any other cool ways that you remember ABGs. I don't want to hear about the arrow method. I don't want to hear about the triangle method. I want to hear how you remember it. If you remember opposites attract, you know, with acid respiratory versus metabolic, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because you're starting to learn and understand the concepts behind the numbers. And that's what this is about. This is the conversation you and I are going to continue to have. I want to know. I want you to start asking the question, why? If respiratory acidosis is in less than 7.35 and PCO2 is greater than 45, why is that happening? Why? Why is it happening? Because they're holding on to CO2. Why are they holding on to CO2? Bing, ding, ding. That's the question you have to ask yourself at the bedside. Why is my patient sleepy? What happened to them? What did I do for them? What intervention did I perform that could have possibly caused this? Hmm. Is it in their medical history, as I stated before? Do they have a respiratory diagnosis of some sort, COPD? Um, did they have surgery? Are they recovering from anesthesia? Um, did we give them a medication that made them sleepy, like a narcotic? Were they complaining of pain and all of a sudden they're sleepy? And then sleepy equals holding on to CO2. Holding on to CO2 means more sleepy. Oh, wait a minute. I know how to fix this. Instead of putting them on a ventilator, maybe I could reverse the effects of the narcotic and wake them up. If I wake them up, then they're going to breathe faster. Now, while they might be in pain when I give them Narcan, they're at least not going to be on the ventilator. They're going to be pissed. I get it. I'm sorry. But they don't have to go on a breathing machine. This is why you need to ask the question why and know and understand the whys so that you can help your patient to the best of your ability. Not every patient who retains CO2 needs to be on the ventilator or needs to be put on a BiPAP. Maybe short term. Can't say that's a complete and utter hard stop. But maybe you could try giving them something to reverse the cause for the increasing in CO2. Why are they sleepy? Are they sleepy because of their blood sugar? Oh, wait a minute. We should check their blood sugar. Maybe it's high. Maybe it's low. Maybe they're in a diabetic coma. Maybe they're in DKA. Maybe they need some sugar. Maybe we need to do something about that. I don't know. Let's check their blood sugar. Let's check their blood pressure. Maybe we should dig deeper. Why are they retaining CO2? After you figure out how to read an ABG and understand the why behind the ABG, then you can easily translate it into why is their CO2 level up and what can I do as their provider to try and fix that problem so that bad things don't happen. ABGs, respiratory acidosis, check. Another episode in the books. As always, you know how to find me. I'd love to hear from you. Go to the Patreon page. Head on to social. Let me know what you thought about this episode. And always, make sure you check your own post first. I'm out.